Need to get your football fix on all things Army, Navy, and Air Force? This is Yards and Stripes Service Academy Football. Now, here are your hosts, Price Atkinson, Steve Carney, and Mike Lovell. Welcome into episode 14 of Yards and Stripes, your home for Service Academy Football, as we are part of the College Gridiron Coast to Coast Podcast Network. And I am Price Atkinson, joined tonight by my man Mike Lovell. We are San Stephen Carney. Unfortunately, he was um, occupied uh, tonight in this week, and so we will have Steve back. Is you know you can assured he wouldn't miss next week, as it's Army Navy week, and we've got a whole lot to do next week on our Army Navy preview special. A ton of interviews and a ton of things we're going to bring you next week. But before we do next week, we got to get to this week, Mike. And we got a couple games to talk about. We got Navy head coach Ken Niamata Lolo that's going to join us in a little bit. We got the Travis Manning Foundation honor roll segment. We got game balls to give out. We got a lot of notes to hit on. Army's uniforms come out for the Army Navy game. I mean, a whole host of things for us to do tonight. Michael, how was your Thanksgiving? How are you tonight, today? What's going on, my man? Price, it's always nice to join you. Thanksgiving was great. Uh, college football does not disappoint yet again. Great weekend in the top ten for college football. Army with some success. Air Force with some success. So the service academies had a good weekend as well. Of course, Navy off. Uh, but, you know, as always, college football does not disappoint. So as college football goes, my weekend goes. So as always in the fall, it was a great weekend. What a weekend it was around the college football landscape. Tons happening rivalry weekend and of course our rivalry weekend really hits up uh next weekend with the army navy game we've obviously had commander chief trophies throughout the you know throughout the season but you know when it comes to rivalry weekend everybody around the college football world enjoying what transpired last weekend we do hope everybody had a a safe fun and healthy thanksgiving wherever you were and before we get into these recaps, we got the Army game, we got the Air Force game. Mike, tell our friends about our folks at Ticket Smarter that we've told you about all year. Take it away again, my man. Absolutely, Price. College football fans, if you're looking for those tickets to the to the championship games or to the Army-Navy game or to the bowl games, uh, we know you're looking for the best price for those games at the most com- uh, at the best seats at the most competitive prices for those games. We want to make sure you take advantage of Ticket Smarter and their mobile app for those games in the postseason. We know that buying college football tickets online requires trust. Ticket Smarter has partnered with more than 100 universities and 24 conferences as their official ticket resale marketplace and with ESPN Events as their official ticket resale partner as well. And with the best selection of NCAA football tickets, Ticket Smarter makes sure fans from all over the country experience the power and excitement of college football live and in person. So purchase your tickets quickly, securely, and at the best prices on the secondary market with the Ticket Smarter mobile app or at TicketSmarter.com. And we've got an additional offer for those listening to all of our podcasts on the College Gridiron Coast to Coast Network. Take 5% off of your purchase of $100 or more with our promo code GRIDIRON22. That's GRIDIRON22 for 5% off of your order of $100 or more. And that code's not just for a one-time use. You can use that code as many times as you want this season for the rest of the season for the best selection of college football seats to the biggest bowl games. Check out the selections and the pricing now with the Ticket Smarter app or at TicketSmarter.com. And remember our code, GRIDIRON22. Think smarter, use Ticket Smarter. Absolutely. Use Ticket Smarter and get smarter in the process. 
Thank you, Michael. And don't forget, we do have Navy head coach Ken Niamatololo coming up here in just a little bit as Navy was off again this past weekend preparing for the Army-Navy game. But Army and Air Force were in action. Mike, let's start our recaps. Let's start in Amherst, Massachusetts, where the Black Knights traveled for the very first time in Army, winning its second straight game, whipping what I think is probably the nation's worst FBS team. The UMass Minutemen, Army getting a 44-7 to win uh, on the road. Army improving to 5-6 and six, while UMass drops to 1-11. The Black Knights playing four quarterbacks in the game, rolling up 329 yards rushing. But senior starter Ty here, Tyler, was sensational, running for a team high, 101 yards on 11 carries, three touchdowns. He was also 2-2 two two, throwing the football for 67 you know, we'll get into Tyler in a second, but UMass goes down the field, you know, taking the opening kickoff 75 yards on nine plays in 412, capped by Gino Campiotti's two yard run. That was it. The Minutemen were done for the rest of the day. It was 44 straight points thereafter by the Black Knights, starting with Jacoby Buchanan's 10 yard TD run in the, with 354 left in the first. And then Tyher Tyler took over three touchdowns in the second quarter alone from 27, four, and one yards out, putting the Army up 28 to seven in the break. What a performance by Tyher Tyler, Mike. Yeah, you hit it, Price. Early on, Army fans were saying to themselves, oh no, here we go again. Army had a third, or UMass, Army forced UMass into a third and 16 on the very first series uh, on the very first third down of the series inside their own 20 UMass gets a screen pass for 24 yards and Mm -hmm. you're thinking how how do you give up a third and 16 on on the first series they go down they score the touchdown army gets the ball back has a penalty on the third down puts them behind the chains they're not able to get the first down they're punting the ball army fans were thinking oh no here we go again we're letting an an, an outmatched team in UMass a one in ten team in UMass hang around take a lead we're gonna have to come from behind we're making some mistakes but like you said after that first uh, series a piece for each team uh, army got it going they put together a nice long drive on their second drive and then they had a 21 point explosion in the second <laughs> half it was one of those one of those games where once army took that 14 21 point lead you could just see the deflation on the other sideline umass knowing that they really couldn't come back uh, from that deficit against a, a physical bruising team that controls the clock once they get ahead. The other thing for Army uh, is UMass running back Ellis Merriweather, who really had a really solid first quarter, mm-hmm. left with injury at halftime, and that was really uh, the death knell for UMass. Without Merriweather in the backfield, they they really didn't have much of a chance. They rotated in uh, at least they rotated in two quarterbacks, neither of which was effective. Although Brady. Olson uh, did have some success, but but neither one of neither of them could push the ball in the vertical passing game and test Army secondary. And once Army was able to to load up against the run without Merriweather, it was lights out for UMass. How about that one yard or excuse me, one handed grab by Isaiah Alston in UMass territory, twenty three yard catch, one of two completions for Tyler on, in the game. You know, it set up that first Black Knight touchdown that I think maybe two plays later that Jacoby Buchanan took it in from 10 yards out. That was a highlight reel catch, Michael. 
Yeah, that, that was crazy. And, and one thing that catches, one hand catches are always yeah. really cool. But oftentimes you're catching the ball and you're creating it maybe, or you're able to palm the ball. He caught that on the nose of the ball. That, that that's another level of difficulty from a from a one handed catch. That's that's one handed catch plus difficulty to catch it right on the nose of the ball. That was incredible. It was great to see. Uh, Army get some national highlights in their passing game. You don't see that very much. It's great to see. It, yeah, it's really great to see the Army receivers who spend so much time blocking and supporting yeah. the run game to get uh, to get to get a highlight reel moment like that. So that was really great to see uh, for for the Army passing attack. And it was really great to see that catch all over uh, ESPN and all over the sports networks all weekend. So so great job to them and just just a next level one handed catch catching it right on the nose of the ball. That is that is a uh, level eleven hard to do right there. Yeah, it is. Ty here, Tyler again. Big day. Uh, three touchdowns now. Twelve on the season. First Army quarterback to run for more than ten uh, in a season since Kelvin Hopkins Jr. Seventeen in 2018. Now 24 career rushing touchdowns for Tyler, tied with Hopkins for third all time in school history. But you can't go in a whole lot further without talking about Army's defense too, Mike, because they produce four UMass turnovers. We know UMass is not good. Okay, they're not good. Whether they're the worst team in the FBS or you know one of the five worst. I mean, we can we can fight and debate it, but you know they're not good. And Army produced four turnovers in the game, uh, held the Minutemen to 90 yards rushing. I think half of those came on UMass's opening drive. You know, and the Black Knights had only given up 40 points coming into this game uh, in their last what three games combined, and held UMass to just that seven on on the opening drive. You know, Andre Carter's the third's numbers aren't going to like jump off the page. But he was outstanding on the edge with three tackles, including one and a half for a loss. I mean, he was fantastic. The entire Army defense, yet again, that's just playing with a lot of momentum these last several weeks uh, going into the Army-Navy game. They did it again on Saturday in Amherst. Yeah, sure. And Andre the Carter second. Really, the word for him on Saturday was disruptor. He just caved. Yeah. Whichever side of the line he was on, he would cave it in. When UMass did oh. try to pass, the pocket was collapsing after two seconds because Andre Carter was caving that in. Uh, Army was able to to stop effectively stop the middle run uh, for the whole game. Leo Lowen had another great game at linebacker, come back from coming back from injury. So and, and Max De, uh, De Domenico also had a great game at linebacker for the Black Knights. Uh, so yeah, a great effort uh, by Army on defense. Uh, you know, I, I, again, I want to take away from the defense, but on the flip side, they're getting healthy on the offense too. So this is really the UMass game was really all about doing what they had to do and seeing if they were ready to take on Navy. Uh, it was pretty interesting to see that they got a little bit healthy on in the backfield. But what I noticed in, in the offensive backfield, and, you know, I don't want to take away from the from the performance of the defense, and they did yeah. really well. But I just want to add on the offense. They, they're starting to use different running backs in different positions. Markel Johnson played a lot of the fullback position, and then they had, uh, I, I believe, they, I think they used um, uh, one of their normal B-backs. Uh, I'm sorry, one of their normal fullbacks in the B-back position. Um uh, Hayden Reed there as well. So so they're kind of because of injuries, particularly at the A back position, they're having to use some of their bigger guys on the A back position. So so that'll put a little bit of wrinkle in for Navy uh, as they prepare to. 
plan against the Army offense for Army-Navy. But, yeah, so so the Army offense was able to get back and do what they needed to do. The defense, like you said, had a great day stopping UMass. Even though UMass is, like you said, not a really good team, you can argue between UMass and Hawaii as being the worst team in FBS. Yeah. I would actually say, say Hawaii, but, but that's not much. That's not saying much for UMass if I'm saying they're the second-worst team. But, yeah, uh, great point. Andre Carter was a disruptor. Leo Lowen and Max Domenico had great days at linebacker. Yeah, interesting there at, at slot back for the Black Knights with Tyson Riley, the lead, Army's leading rusher at fullback, starting at slot back and taking most of the snaps at slot back with Tyrell Robinson done for the year. Awan Marshall, he missed the game. Miles Stewart missed the game again. You know, really thin there at slot back and having to move a guy like Tyson Riley. Clearly, you're going to keep Jacoby Buchanan at a battering ram at 280 pounds carrying the football at fullback. But, you know, having to move some guys around and, you know, really not missing a beat, but especially having that game against UMass to, you know, to kind of get your legs under you, if you will, you know, getting ready for this next weekend. Yeah, but it's worth noting that Tyson Riley didn't get a single carry. <laughs> you know, obviously they're not going to uh, pitch it to a guy who who doesn't have a lot of reps receiving the pitch. So, yeah, yeah, great point. Bowl eligibility is going to be interesting because most of the bowl bids typically are handed out the week right before the Army-Navy game. From what I've read and what I understand, there's going to be two five and seven teams that likely are going to be slotted um, in bowl games. Army still has a chance to get to six and six, but with those bowl bids going out the week before, I'm interested, Mike, to see what's going to happen and could possibly one of those slots be saved for Army, a five and seven Army team get in. What's going to happen with their bowl, you know, in terms of a postseason future, you know, after the Army-Navy game, Mike? Well, I, I don't think a five and seven army team would get in. I, I, potentially a six and six army team would get in. And so, yes. for, for, yeah. our, for our listeners, for our listeners, you can only count one FCS win. So even if Army beats Navy, they're only going to have five bowl eligible wins. They can only count five of their six wins for bowl eligibility. Also, for our listeners, if there aren't enough six win teams in college football eligible for bowls, they go down. Uh, team rankings for APR, so academic progress uh, reports for the team. So how well the football teams do on their grades, basically. I, I know Rice is the number one team, so they know they're going to be a five and seven team in a bowl. The the Buffalo game, uh, Buffalo plays. Uh, who does Buffalo <clears throat> play this week? Uh, Price, uh, remind me. Buffalo plays Akron this week. Okay. If Buffalo wins that game, they will become that will be their sixth win. That's a that's a makeup game. That okay. will be their sixth win. And so that will leave, I believe, one spot open. Based on the APR, Rice would be in that okay. slot. Now, having said that, uh, Army could always petition the NCAA. Now, Army actually has a case if they want to petition the NCAA. That case is, hey, we played two FCS teams because another FBS team, Tennessee, bailed on us last season, canceled the contract. So we just did what we had to do. We won the games we could play based on the FBS team bouncing out of their contract. Uh, there is another team. I, I can't think of who it is off the top of my head, Price, who is petitioning the uh, to go as a five and six team because they had a game postponed because the other, I think it was San Jose state had a player pass away. Yes. They, they yes. canceled the game and that team, maybe New Mexico or New Mexico state, they're petitioning. Uh, it's New Mexico or New Mexico state. I just can't remember which one they're petitioning the NCAA to become bowl eligible without having that six win because they didn't play the game, obviously out of respect for the team that lost the player, yep. but you can also petition the NCAA. I, I don't know where, 
Army stands on APR. Uh, I know Rice is number one. I don't. I don't think that Army would get in on APR just because I, I know Rice is number one, uh, and there's probably only going to be one spot left. But they could potentially petition the NCAA to put them in or to allow them to go to the Armed Forces Bowl at six and six because the argument would be Tennessee bailed on us. The only thing we could do is replace it with an FCS team, and we won six games. We got it. Two of those are FCS, but that was beyond our control. We did what we had to do. So so that's really – I think that's a very slim chance yeah. uh, on the order of maybe 5% or less, but but that's really the, the path. Okay. Uh, that's the only viable path Army has to get to a bowl this year. All right. Well, you heard it right there from Mike Lovell laying out the – giving the lay of the land for a potential maybe outside spot for Army in the postseason. All right, let's pivot now to the Mountain West. Let's go out west where Air Force was in action at San Diego State, a team that has had Air Force's number over the last several seasons. And the Air Force Falcons, they get a 13-3 to win over San Diego State on Saturday night, 9-3. Nine, nine Air Force now overall 5-3 and three in the Mountain West, while San Diego Strait, State drops to 7-5, and 5-3 five, th- five and three in the Mountain West. Their fourth straight win for the Falcons, as I mentioned, that proverbial monkey off its back is gone as Air, San Diego State had beaten Air Force nine in a row until this one. Air Force last win in the series was 2009, but Brad Roberts made sure that one didn't happen. Game high, 187 yards on 35 carries. He scored the game's first touchdown, the game's only touchdown, Mike, a two-yard plunge capping a five-play, 75-yard drive and 233 on the game's opening possessions in which he had all 75 of Army's yards. It was only the, uh, the only touchdown in the ball game, as I mentioned, but the second time this season he's accounted for an entire touchdown drive. The last and only other time was the opening quarter of the second half. Uh, against UNLV when he had 11 carries on 75 yards uh, that they ended up scoring a touchdown on. So he does it again. Uh, Roberts now third nationally in total rushing yards with 1,612, which is a new Air Force single-season record, passing Bo Morgan, the former quarterback's record of 1,494, set in 1996. And his 10th 100-yard game this season also set a new single-season record uh, besting the nine that Brian Bream ran for in 1970. Uh, Roberts also set a single-season record uh, in career marks for total carries, now has 670 career carries, breaking Sean Carney's record uh, from 2004 to 2007, and 308 this year, breaking his record that he set last year uh, of 298. But again, Mike, you know, a 7-0 lead at, at the break. It was the game's only touchdown they made sure to get it done early. I mean, the story of this game uh, was the Air Force defense. Uh, I mean, they oh, I mean, they hold San Diego State again, a team that has had their way with Air Force over the last few years. They hold them to eight first downs, o of ten on on third down. It's they hold an opponent to single digits for the fourth time this season in less than twenty for the tenth time. I don't know what more you can say. I mean, we talk about triple option offense and running the football so much. This Air Force defense, sensational once again. 
Yeah, and, and you talked about Brad Roberts to lead off. Uh, like you said, third nationally. He's ahead of Mo Ibrahim. He's ahead of B. John Robinson. He's ahead of Blake Quorum. Look, if Brad Robertson doesn't get at least third team All-American, there's something wrong with the voting process. He's had a fantastic season. Uh, I was really happy to see him finish third nationally in rushing. Uh, but you talked about it. Defense was the storyline. Uh, San Diego State had 15 carries for minus one yard. But here's mm. the thing. Air Force dominated in, in all aspects of this game. Uh, San Diego State had eight eight penalties for 49 yards. They had three turnovers. Air Force had no turnovers. Air Force won the possession game two to one. It, this score, 13 to three, you might think, oh, that's a 10-point game. This score might as well have been 52 to nothing. Air Force mm-hmm. completely strangled San Diego State. It wasn't even really that close. Uh, and and so and we, we owe it to Air Force. We questioned earlier in the season, middle of the season, when Air Force lost, dropped a couple games that they should not have dropped. We said, where is their head going to be after kind of dropping a couple games? Are they going to be disappointed? How are they going to finish the season? They finished the season really strong. And that defense turned in that, that, that that's that's a that's a. Uh, you know that's a that's a record book performance. That's a generational performance for an Air Force defense. Zero and ten on third down, three to nothing turnover margin, two to one time of possession, minus one yard rushing. They actually lost yards. That was the the the, the, the uh, aggregate rushing yards. That that's amazing. And so Air Force is getting much. Air Force is finish finish stronger, and they're looking good going into bowl season. They're probably going to be the only one of the three service academies heading to a bowl, and they look postured to be successful heading into bowl season. And in San Diego State too, they had made some changes. They were five and one in their last six games uh, coming into the game. But you know, I know these you know former running backs weren't on the roster on Saturday night, Mike. But you know, San Diego State has had Air Force's number for many reasons. You know, Rocky Long was you know fantastic coach there for many years. Brady Hoke now taken over. But think about some of the running backs over the years San Diego State has you know they've had now I know they weren't playing on Saturday night but that was one of the reasons where Air Force has not been able to beat San Diego State to simply the Aztecs would just line up and mash you know almost two tight ends and just run it right down your throat that simply did not happen and then some holding them to you know what minus one rushing yards amongst many other things in the game Dominant. I mean, again, we we give so much credit to Brad Roberts and that that offense, and rightfully so. But Air Force's defense, the way they're playing, especially going into a postseason now, I don't. We don't know who they're going to play. It's probably, in all likelihood, might be a Power Five conference opponent. We don't know yet. We'll find out. Whoever they're going to line up in in the postseason is going to be in for a tussle and a half because this Air Force team is for real. Yeah, I mean, San Diego State was a seven and four team, five and three in the Mountain West. That, that's a quality team. If Air Force had had held Hawaii or UMass to minus one rushing yards, you can say, yeah, that's a bad team. San Diego State's a good. They're, they're going to go to a bowl. They're a good team. So for Air Force to do what they did is remarkable. You talked about some of the running backs San Diego State's had. Of course, Marshall Falk is at the top of the list. Rashard Penny. I covered the Army San Diego State bowl game several years ago. Jeff Munkin goes for two at the end of regulation. We asked him in the press conference. Coach, Coach, what was your thought process going for two at the end of regulation? He said, did you see Rashard Penny? I didn't want to see that dude touch the ball one more time. Rashard yeah. Penny ran for like 850 yards against Army. Army was able to win it at the end. 
obviously I'm being facetious with 850 yards, but he ran for a lot. And Jeff Munkin did not want to see that guy touch the ball one more time that night. So we went for two. Army wins that bowl game on the last play of the game. You talked about some of the great running backs of San Diego State. So that, that's a quality program for Air yeah. Force to do what they did against that team. It's just like I said, that, that was a generational performance by the Air Force defense. Absolutely. Troy Calhoun's team, again, a 13-3 to winner over San Diego State on the road on Saturday night. All right, Michael, let's give out some game balls here. Why don't you, you want to fire away first? Yeah, so what we talked about earlier, my game ball is going to Army quarterback Ty here. Tyler really got that offense moving in, in the second quarter. Tyler's been a little bit maligned by the fan base, had some turnover issues earlier, had some injuries concerns also earlier in the season. Uh, but Army looks like their offense is finally clicking uh, like they should uh, going into the Army-Navy game, and that was because Tyler, Tyler is the best option at quarterback, and he looks like he's ready to go for Army-Navy. Finally, at the 11th game of the season, looks <laughs> like they're ready to go against Army-Navy. But he had a tremendous performance, 11 carries, 101 yards, three touchdowns, no turnovers, getting that Army offense on track in their last tune-up before Army-Navy. So Tyler, Tyler, the senior quarterback, gets my game ball. All right, my game ball is going to go to Air Force junior defensive back Jaden Goodwin, who led, again, that outstanding effort by the Air Force defense, seven tackles, a team high, uh, matched a career high with a one-and-a-half tackles for a loss, also recorded his second interception of the season, picking off San Diego State quarterback Jalen Maiden uh, in the game. Uh, had a, a one-and-a-half tackles for a loss earlier in the season against New Mexico, did it again, uh, on Saturday night, helping lead another outstanding performance by Troy Calhoun's uh, defensive unit in a 13-3 to win over the San Diego State Aztecs. All right, Mike, we got a lot more to do. We got our Travis Mannion Foundation honor roll. We got to talk about these new threads, man, these new uniforms. You know, we taught Navies last week. We got to get into what Army. These, these are some sweet unis they're going to debut uh, in the Army-Navy game coming up. Uh, you know, a couple Saturdays from now, uh, that kickoff again will be at 3 p.m. on Saturday, December 10th there in Philadelphia. But coming up next, we got the Navy head coach, Ken Niamatololo, going to join us. Excited to catch up with him. You don't want to miss that interview as we are part of the College Gridiron Coast to Coast Podcast Network. You can listen to us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts. Just search College Gridiron Coast to Coast, Yards and Stripes. You will be able to find us, especially if you're an Apple if you're an Apple user. Apple Podcasts is in the name of the game. If you're an Android user, Spotify is a great place uh, to listen to us. Just download the Spotify app, and you can listen to Yards and Stripes every single week as we come to you during the college football season. But when we come back, Mike Lovell and I will be joined by the Navy head coach, Ken Niamatololo, right here on Yards and Stripes. It's everything you need to know about Service Academy football. Yards and Stripes continues. Here once again are Price, Steve, and Mike. All right, welcome back in as we're now joined by the head coach of the Navy Midshipmen, Coach Ken Niamatololo, 15th season at the helm, all-time winningest coach of the Naval Academy program. And, and Coach, it's great to catch up with you. Always enjoy the time getting to talk some, some college football, but most of all, some Navy football with you. Thanks for having me, Bryce. Super excited uh, to have me on your program, and thanks for having me, Kenny. What you know? A few, 
I know it's kind of rare to have a weekend off during the season, but you know you had you've had the last couple weekends off. What'd you do with your extra time? Recruiting, family time, watch other college football games. You, you know, what did you do with that little extra time that you finally had uh, on your hands the last couple weekends? It's, it's kind of interesting. You you called it off. Spent <laughs> time with the family. I was telling uh, Scott Strassmeyer, SID, that probably watch more games than I've watched in a long time. So it was kind of cool to watch a lot of different games, prepare for, you know, our big game coming at the end. So kind of a lot of it. What was one game? Was there one special game that maybe caught your eye the last couple of weeks? It was like, whoa, I'm glad I had a seat and some popcorn for this one. Yeah, so obviously the, the Ohio State-Michigan um, uh, game was, was a big game. Uh, the SC Notre Dame game came on at night. Mm-hmm. Um, just trying. There, there's so many games. Um, <laughs> uh, watch the the Alabama Auburn game. Um, I was I was flipping around so many times. <laughs> watch A and M LSU. Just, yeah. Just I watched a lot of games. Just like your Thanksgiving dinner, you're just trying to take as much in as you possibly could. Like you know, at the table as you were watching. You know, games. Let's talk about the midshipmen, Kenny. Three close wins this year, but then you had—I mean—you had four losses by a touchdown or less. But the most recent one, the win over UCF, what did that do for your team? You know, going into the Army game with that shot of confidence and, and coming off that winning feeling. Well, just like you said, Bryce, we've been so close in some games uh, to get over the hump against a you know ranked team. I think is great for our confidence. I think we're playing our best football at the end of the season, you know, November. So that bodes well going against Army. But I just like where we're at right now. We have a young team. Uh, our, our kids, you know, have improved as the season gone on. I'm just really excited where we're at right now going into this game. Mm-hmm. Coach Mike, Mike Lovell here. Uh, you mentioned playing better in the last half of the season. You guys have cut down turnovers, cut down penalties. What's been the biggest key in your success in the second half of the season? And how do you carry that forward against Army into in in uh, to in uh, next week? I think a big part of it is just the experience. We're such a young team. You know, we have two seniors on offense and two seniors on defense. Uh, you know, a lot of first year starters. You know, unlike other schools, I mean, we we we're a young team and we we don't have any transfers. Uh, you know, what I mean, so the guys that we have, we have to develop. And just there's only one way you kind of go through the fire, so to speak. And I just think that our guys got better as the season went on. And the big part of it is just, I think it was just game experience. And just um, they developed as they got more reps. I think that definitely helped us. Coach, what kind of carryover was there, if at all, you know, from the COVID season? I know it's been a little bit of time, but, I mean, you guys, you know, you couldn't get out really and recruit. Nobody could. Um, I know you really didn't hit it all, much of it all in practice. You know, you lifted in very small groups or individually. You know, again, I know that it's been a little bit of time, but is it still trying to cycle a little bit through from that COVID time where things were just thrown off? Because as we all know, you know, especially in the academy, routine, routine, routine. And the COVID st- times that we were all going through, that was anything but routine. Yeah, and I don't want to, you know – on this wall as me because the whole world was suffering, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Right, so I don't want to say that we were the only guys that were affected, but the, the <clears> difference <throat> I feel like for us is when we had the pandemic, uh, when it happened, we were all here. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, our, so the guys that were here couldn't go home. Mm-hmm. So basically, we wouldn't, you know, the academy didn't let any of the 
the other students come. So basically the only kids on campus were the football players, you know, in the dorm that normally, you know, houses 4,400 people. There's you know, 100 plus kids from our team that were in there. So it was kind of a, a ghost town in there. And during the pandemic, we couldn't leave. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I have, you know, a son that played at another school and, you know, we we're all going to that, but they were at their off-campus apartments, so they could still go grab something to eat or go somewhere. Mm-hmm. So just mentally was not good for our kids. Just being locked up, you know, for a couple months where there's nobody else around. We couldn't come together and lift. So, you know, the socializing was that was to a bare minimum. Mm-hmm. And to be honest with you, Bryce, in all my years here, it was probably the biggest attrition rate of we lost a ton of kids mm-hmm. during that time where some guys once – you know, all of that was lifted. A lot of guys like, Coach, I, I can't do this anymore. Mm-hmm. And unlike other schools, we can't go to the transfer portal. <laughs> so we basically lost, you know, a class. Yep. You know what I mean? And so you, you can't make it up by going in the portal and trying to, okay, we lost this many DBs. So we just try to, you know, just trying to survive. And obviously it's affected everybody, but, you know, it, it really hurt us. Mm-hmm. And then not and from losing guys and not being able to make it up. You know, without you know, through the transfer portal or whatever, you see teams that are their rosters are changing dramatically now, and it's not anything illegal. I think everybody's doing it legally, but that's mm-hmm. it's kind of the way of the world right now with transfer portals. But we could not acquire that. I mean, mm-hmm. we could not like go across and like, okay, let's get these guys. How about these guys from this school or whatever? So not being able to acquisition more players hurt us during that time. Mm-hmm. Coach, I want, I want to talk real quick, a little X's and O's on the Army-Navy game coming up. As, as your Flexbone playbook and, and Coach Munkin's Flexbone playbook kind of goes through what I would call a, an evolution, evolutionary distancing from each other, now that you know, you've been at Navy for so long and Coach Munkin's been at Army for so long, are the two offenses, when you do your defensive prep, are the two teams still mirror images of each other, or are there enough wrinkles in the two playbooks now that, that it's a challenge to game plan against the team that on paper, on television for most fans, look like they're mirror images of each other? Are they still that similar, or, or, is, there, or is there a challenge in game planning uh, for more wrinkles uh, than, than there has been in the past, maybe? Well, you know, the three service academies are probably as close to each other as, as any other school. And us in Army are probably the closest. Army uh, Air Force is a little bit different and schematically, but we're all three option teams, obviously. Uh, but there is, you know, you go into these rivalry games, you know, everybody wants to have some wrinkles and kind of have some little diversity from what you do, you know, just trying to maybe catch somebody by surprise. But you got to be careful, too. You don't want to get too far away from what you do in a couple weeks and try to reinvent the wheel and, you know, do something that you're not accustomed to. So it's always a fine line. There's always a balance of trying to have some wrinkles for the game but not try to diverge too much from what you do. So, because, you know, get do, do too much of that, then you're not able to execute in a game. And then uh, I just want to follow up one more time uh, with what Price said. Uh, the double buy, Army normally has a double buy. I think this is probably unique for you guys. Uh, how, how did the team, how did you uh, ask the team to stay sharp? Uh, there'll be three weeks. When we take the field in Philadelphia, it'll be three weeks since you guys were on the field. How does the team stay sharp in that double bye versus how do you balance getting healthy? That's a great question. You know, so with the three weeks, we haven't had that in a long time <clears throat> since I've been here. The three-week bye, 
and you know one part of you wants to keep practicing so so you stay sharp because we were playing our best football but we 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 were banged up i mean the teams we played we didn't have you know i think we're like nine straight weeks or something Mm -hmm. of games we needed to rest so thanksgiving week you know we came back after the ucf win on monday cleaned the game up and after that we allowed guys to get treatment we had a couple lifts but We'll focus on school. They went home for Thanksgiving. Then we started back up. You know, Monday, uh, Sunday they had treatment. Then we're back. You know, we started back at it on Monday, uh, getting ready. Kind of a game week. We treat it as a game week. Get ready for this week. Uh, and then next week we'll, you know, we'll, we'll kind of duplicate what we did this week. And so we took the week off to recover, just because of where we're at. And it's like you said, it's uh, gotta be careful because you might lose your edge. But I thought weighing the two is much more important for us to get some rest, try to recover a little bit from the season. All right, as we continue with Coach Ken Niamatololo, the head coach of the Navy Midshipmen. Uh, coach, you're obviously blessed to, to work with you know leaders every day, um, going to be leaders at the next level. That's what the academy's training them to do. Um, that's what you as your coach, you as a head coach, your coaching staff is, is helping to prepare and train them for leadership in, at the next level. But what has the leadership been like from John Marshall, especially you know the second half of this season, how he's just – come out of I mean it just seems like he's come out of the woodwork um with you know playmaking ability on that defensive side of the football that you know Diego Fago obviously was one of the guys giving it to you last year in the, in the heart of that defense now it's John Marshall and, and what has he meant to that defense of yours well I think the great thing about John is he's, his consistency you know John's the guy that was voted team captain but mm-hmm. you see him come back this offseason you know as one of our seniors from the first day that we started workouts, he's one of the hardest workers. He's first on the field. He's first in the sprints. You know, he's hard working hard in the weight room. And I think from a leadership standpoint, the younger guys can see, here's the model of how you work. Just because you're the best player doesn't mean you slack off or feel like anything is going to be given to you. If you're the best player, you, you raise the bar as far as your work ethic. And I think that's what he's done for our team, just to show the younger guys – this is the pattern. This is how you do things. Mm-hmm. Professional, you, you take care of business. And I couldn't be more proud of him. And like you said, he's been playing lights out the last couple of weeks. Coach Mike here again. I, I know you're laser focused on the game coming up. I, I just want to take a step back real quick. <coughs> By my count, this is your 26th Army-Navy game. Really a two-part question. It's such a classic rivalry uh, with 26 years as a part of it. How has that game changed? How has that classic rivalry changed over your 26 years? And then by my count, it's been 35 years uh, since you since you played ball at Hawaii. How has college football in general changed in that 35 years? Well, the Army-Navy game hasn't changed. It's two teams that are going to lay everything on the line, give everything they have for their school, for their brothers. You know, we, we call our, our, our team, we're, we're known as the Brotherhood. And our players were going to lay it on the line for each other. And all the years that I've been here, that hasn't changed one iota. I mean, guys are going to every everything they have. And so from the first game into the last game, I've seen this game and been a part of this game. That's not changed. Now, you can see things kind of kind of change as far as college football. I think one part of it is it's a game. You know, obviously it's a – a little bit more high octane. People are throwing the ball all over the place, up tempo. Um, guys are bigger, stronger, and faster. Um, 
that's changed. You just see the guys, the linemen are so big. The, the skilled guys are so fast. It's just, uh, they're so highly skilled. I mean, football now, there's some amazing athletes. All right, Kenny, last question before we let you go. Um, I, you know, I've heard you say it many times, haven't worked with you, and, and obviously on the other side now, you know, how much, what an honor it is to just coach in this game uh, next week going to take place in Philadelphia just because not just people all around, you know, the country that are watching it, but people all around the world, servicemen, servicewomen stationed in all corners of the globe. You know, when in the days leading up, you know, to the game, whether it's, you know, this week, next week, night before, maybe even as you prepare to take the field, are there guys that, you know, maybe that have played for you in the past that you think about that are, you know, now serving in harm's way around the world or maybe somebody like a J.P. Blacksmith who has given that ultimate sacrifice? Yeah, you always think about them. You always remember those that have come before. Um, you know, last year we had the unfortunate accident to buy Bourgeois, mm-hmm. you know, a former Brotherhood member, former Steel, uh, you know, that happened before our game last year. You remember him? Mm-hmm. You know, the many that have, that have come on and, and, and made the ultimate sacrifice. You think about them. You think about those that are serving now, um, former players. And it just, it's more than anything, you're just humbled by all of it. Mm-hmm. You know, like you just, it makes you feel great to be an American. You know, at a time where our country is so divided and, you know, politics has divided our country in a lot of things, these, this game and being at the Naval Academy, for me personally, is just a great reminder that I'm so grateful to be an American. Mm-hmm. And I love this country. I love what it represents. I love the young men that I coach. And I, I'm just, I just feel honored and blessed to be a part of it. But those young men that have come on before, especially those that have paid the ultimate sacrifice, there's nothing more that you can do to pay gratitude, you know, pay homage and you know, how grateful you are for them. Well, Kenny, we're grateful for the time today. Just appreciate you giving us a few minutes to talk with Mike and I and, you know, certainly our listeners as we bring this one uh, to everybody at Yards and Stripes this week. Thanks again for your generosity. You're one of the very best. And, you know, all we can definitely say to you is good luck next week. Uh, I know it's uh, it's an honor, like you said, and you're going to have a lot of fun with everything that goes on, including the game. Appreciate it, Kenny. Well, thank, well, thank you guys for having me. You guys take care. Oh, Navy beat Army. All right, once again, thanks to Navy head coach Kenny Matalolo for joining us this week on Yards and Stripes. In his 15th season at the helm of the midshipmen, 10 winning seasons and played in 10 bowl games, all-time winningest coach in Navy school history. Just once again, thanks to him for taking that time to join us on Yards and Stripes ahead of next week's Army-Navy game. In 2007, Marine First Lieutenant Travis Mannion was killed in Iraq after saving his wounded teammates. Travis's legacy lives on through the words he spoke before his final deployment, if not me, then who? Words that today fuel the spirit of Travis Mannion Foundation. And through TMF, these words can live in you too. Show the world what you're made of, because character is invisible until it's not. Find out how you can strengthen the character of your community alongside empowered veterans, families of the fallen, and inspired civilians at travismanion.org. Now time for our Travis Manion Foundation Honor Roll segment, where we honor and remember a fallen hero that is given the ultimate sacrifice. We appreciate the Travis Manion Foundation for partnering with us yet again on this segment this season uh, to highlight heroes uh, that have 
have served our nation in, in places here at home and abroad. Uh, and this week, we're going to honor remember Army Sergeant Alexander J. Bennett, one of three soldiers killed on August the 6th, 2011, when the CH-47 Chinook helicopter he was in encountered enemy fire over the Wardak province of Afghanistan and crashed, killing all three members aboard while they were supporting and serving in Operation Enduring Freedom. Born on Halloween in 1986 in Christiansburg, Virginia, Sergeant Bennett was just 24 years old while he was serving as a flight engineer and door gunner. Sergeant Bennett later moved to Tacoma, Washington, where he enlisted in the Washington Army National Guard as a rifleman in August of 2004 with Company A, the 1st Battalion of the 161st Infantry Regiment. Then he went on to attend basic training in Fort Benning, Georgia, and later joined the U.S. Army Reserves in 2007, serving a tour in Iraq in 2009. The Curtis School District graduate was a recipient of the Purple Heart, Bronze Medal, and Meritorious Service Medal, among many others. Quote, it was almost like he was born to take that path. If I had to go back and live through those choices, I don't think I would have talked him out of it. He was so happy. End quote. That's his mother, Kim Robertson, telling the Seattle Times at the time of his death. He was living in New Century, Kansas, and survived by his mother, Kim Robertson, and his father, Lieutenant Colonel Douglas Bennett. The Travis Manning Foundation honored Sergeant Alexander J. Bennett with 30 other fallen heroes through the Character Does Matter program at the Westover School in Middlebury, Connecticut, on January the 18th, 2013. We take this time every single week to remember the heroes like Alexander Bennett, who, has, who gave the ultimate sacrifice for our nation. So many heroes willing to put their life on the line for us every single day. As I mentioned before and every single week, as we all know, freedom is not free. Travis Mannion Foundation's 9-11 Heroes Run 5K Race Series unites communities across the country and around the world to honor the sacrifices of September 11th and the war since. Join your community this September and register to run, walk, or rock by visiting 911heroesrun.org. The latest with Navy, Army, and Air Force on Yards and Stripes Service Academy Football. All right, appreciate Navy head coach Ken Diamatololo joining us there just a few minutes ago. Also, our Travis Manion Foundation honor roll segment. Really appreciate uh, the Travis Manion Foundation. Don't forget, you can get tickets to their Army-Navy tailgate. Just go to travismanion.org. They have a massive tailgate party that starts at 10 a.m. right across from the stadium, travismanion.org. You can go ahead and sign up and support TMF right there by getting your tickets for the Army-Navy tailgate. They're going to have live music. They're going to have giveaways, food, drinks, everything that you can think of. It's going to be a fantastic time uh, there at the Army-Navy game in Philadelphia. Again, kickoff is Saturday, December the 10th at 3 p.m. We'll, we'll touch on that game and just you know kind of get into it just a little bit here in just a few minutes as we now have a line on the game. So we'll tell you about that in just a second. Uh, Mike, a couple news and notes just to pass along real quick, and we're going to you know talk about Army's new threads. Uh, just absolutely awesome. They're going to be um, you know honoring the first armored division. We'll talk about that in just one second. Uh, but let's talk about Air Force right now, real fast. We'll hit Navy and then Army. Uh, not something you see every day. Our Air Force is now number one nationally in both 
um, rushing offense, but also total defense. Let me explain. The Falcons still lead the nation in rush yards per game with 330.9, ahead of Army, which is second, 304.4, followed by Ole Miss, UCLA, and Michigan rounding out the top five. But here's something that most people probably didn't guess, is the Air Force would be currently sitting number one in the nation in total defense, giving up just 256.4 yards per game. That's ahead of second-place Michigan at 262, Illinois in third, Georgia in fourth, and Iowa in fifth, giving up 277.9. That's some pretty heady company, uh, Mike. I can't remember the last time you know, that a service academy team had to go back and look it up to see where they were – number one offensively in one of the two major passing running categories and then a major defensive category like, you know, total, you know, scoring defense, total defense, something like that. I just, I just continue to marvel at it. Just, that just simply does not happen every day. Yeah. You know, the mountain, the mountain West is a, the mountain West is a good, uh, a good offensive conference too. So it's, it's pretty impressive. You got Boise state there. Uh, you got Fresno state there, uh, a pretty good season this year. Uh, like we talked about San Diego state and the history they have of, of top running attacks there. So the mountain West is for all is a pretty good offensive conference. So to do that, that, uh, to be the lead in the total defense is, is impressive no matter where you at. Cause that's, that's hard to do. Uh, but it's not like they're playing in a, you know, it's, it's not like they're playing in the big 10 West, not, not to take a shot at the big 10 West, but it's not like they're playing in the Big Ten West. Mountain West or the Mountain West has has some good offensive teams. So again, really impressive for Air Force and to do to to lead the nation in rushing and total defense is, is something they should be proud of. It's it's a really impressive feat by the Falcons. Yeah, especially like you mentioned, playing in that Mountain West, which is really you know been considered one of the higher octane, especially passing attacks. It rolls up a lot of passing yards, you know, every single week with the Utah States, the Boise States, you know, a lot of the different teams spread across the Mountain West every week. Um, bowl projections, you mentioned earlier a little bit, you know, that Air Force, you know, obviously is bowl eligible, likely to be the only team in the postseason. Um, you know, I think the Armed Forces Bowl, it looks like by all bowl projections, that's where they're going to end up it, on December the 22nd in Fort Worth. The question is, who's going to be their opponent? You know, I, Brett McMurphy from the Action Network, somebody that I really trust and, you know, has a, you know, beat on these, is one of the best when it comes to projecting these bowls. He's got Air Force and Baylor uh, showdown in the Armed Forces Bowl December 2nd in Fort Worth. Mike, what do you think about that showdown? What do you guys have at Last Word on Sports? Yeah, so my partner Kevin McGuffey at Last Word on College Football has the same thing, Armed Forces Bowl on December 22nd. He's got Air Force playing BYU. Uh, Kevin's done a really good job on his bowl, bowl projections mm-hmm. for several years now. So Air Force Baylor, Air Force BYU – uh, could could be either one of those, uh, but but Kevin's got Air Force BYU. I think that would be a great game. I think Air Force Baylor would be a great game. Uh, excited for Air Force uh, to get to that Armed Forces Bowl. All right, a couple notes on Navy. Uh, Bill Conley comes out with his uh, ESPN quote: "Loan them to a bowl team, all stars. You know, guys that play for teams that aren't going to make a bowl and be in the postseason." 
He's got Navy linebacker John Marshall as number four on his loan him to a bowl team all-star list. Uh, you know, the highest ranking for a midshipman has managed over the past decade and tackles for a loss was 16 in 2019. Well, John Marshall, the linebacker out of Highland, Maryland, he ranks eighth in the country with 17 and a half tackles for a loss in one more regular season game to play. The 6'2 junior from Highland, Maryland, has really caught fire in this last second half of the season. So, you know, it'd be interesting to see. I don't think he's going to get a whole lot of sacks, but tackles for a loss, those are going to be a little bit harder to come by, you know, with a, a rushing attack and the triple option. The Army's going to run, uh, but we'll see what he can do uh, as linebacker John Marshall singled out for his outstanding season for the midshipmen. Also, Mike, something that I uh, noticed an article that came out just the other day, Navy commit Gavin Noe, a two-time All-State running back from Anderson County High School in Clinton, Tennessee. He helped his team remain undefeated in advance to the state championship after they rallied from 13 down to score 29 straight uh, and beat or get a 29-13 win to punch their ticket to the state championship game in Tennessee. Noe, a running back and a defensive back, he ran for a score and grabbed a big interception in the game. But it was, I think it was what he did afterwards, not so much the play on the field. You know, his character shining through even bigger after the lights went off and everybody was gone. Everybody had left the field. Fans had emptied out, you know, the stadium and everybody was gone. He saw a lady cleaning up all alone in the stands picking up trash. What does Gavin Noe do? He stays and goes up into the stands and helps clean up the entire stands until all the trash had been picked up. Nobody's around. I mean, that is character at its highest level, Mike, something you obviously know about having attended West Point. You know, the kids that obviously are going, you know, playing, whether they're playing football or simple, just going to be in the brigade and the Corps, wherever they're going to be. It takes special, you know, student athletes and, and, you know, students, you know, to go to one of the academies. And I read that and I'm just like, that is, he gets it. That is what it's all about. Yeah, great on him, Anderson County. They're up in East, uh, up Upper East Tennessee. There, you know, Army backup quarterback Cade Ballard. He he played his high school ball there at Greenville in Greenville, Tennessee. Not not too far at all from Clinton. So so uh, Noah will be joining Cade Ballard as, as East Tennesseans on service academy team. So good on him. Uh, great area, great high school football, gr- great kids up there. Uh, glad to hear that. All right, let's touch on Army, Mike, and you know specifically. These uniforms for the Army Navy game. I, you know, I, we talked about Navy's last week. The NASA themed uniforms. I'm not wild about them. They're 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 sharp, but I think these Army uniforms, inspired by the First Armored Division story legacy from World War II, these Nike uniforms that the Black Knights are going to wear in honor of the story of Old Ironsides. These things are on point. This year, marking the 80th anniversary of Operation Torch and the commencement of American ground operations against Axis forces in, in the European theater, which included Northern Africa, you know the resilience, grit, and commitment demonstrated by these soldiers that resulted in defeat of the Axis forces there in North Africa, like you know the harsh desert, you know against a determined enemy, and the members of the First Armored Division, you know would not back down and were forged into the iron soldiers and learn the lessons that would guide them to success in subsequent operations across Europe and in, in the Western part of that country. I just think these uniforms, you know, honoring this first armor division, I like color. Like I said, last week, these things pop, 
these things are awesome. And Army's going to be the home team. I, I'm I'm sorry. These things are flat out. I, I, I need some of this gear. I want to go buy it now. So, so Price, I, I did a piece for last word on college football yesterday. I ranked. So this is the seventh year that Army has done. Army and Nike have partnered to do the Army-Navy Rivalry Series uniforms. I ranked those uniforms. Okay. Uh, I actually had this year at fifth. They haven't played the game yet. If they win Man. the game, that, that might bump the uniform up. But he, but here here's the deal. All seven years, the uniforms have been really nice. It's a, I, I love the uniform, but some of the years, I, like I had I had a 2016 when they did 82nd Airborne. I had that number one. That was the first year they did it. They had kind of had the parachute webbing uh, in, in, uh, emblazoned in the helmet. That that was mm-hmm. that's off the chain. Those that were nice. Just, Those were awesome. Was, I, was I, think that's the, yeah. I think that's the best alternate uniform I've ever seen. I, I love it. So, you know, for, for those who, who – for those that dig uniforms, please go check out Last Word on College Football on Twitter, at Last Word on CFE, or me at MikeL underscore LWS. You can see the rankings. Tell me tell me where I messed up, where I, where I didn't. I, I love the star on this year's. So so the cadets will have – I could talk about this yeah. for an hour. The cadets will have their regimental affiliation. I love the fact that it goes from the deserts of North Africa and it fades into the forest olive green of Europe, just like the division did in World War II. And that's really, I think that's the key that makes these uniforms great. We talked about this a little bit last week about how it represents Army. This isn't just Nike making uniform. Nike sits down with the West Point history professors and they talk through what is so this is the unit this is the unit the army has selected talk us through the history what, what what can we do to represent it and it's a collaborative effort between the marketing people leadership at the academy and the history professors on getting it right the meaning and the depth in addition to the aesthetics Army and Nike have nailed it over the past seven years. They've absolutely nailed it. All seven uniforms have been fantastic. They have depth, meaning they talk about history and units that you know that kind of juxtaposed, juxtaposed, juxtaposed against navies, which are sometimes a little bit more colorful. They kind of go with some bright blues, some yellows <clears throat> every now and then, but they kind of focus on either ships or people as opposed to units and historical things i love the meaning of it you know me college football guy uh i i just i just i just love them i'm gushing about them so yeah go check that out i have them ranked i have this year at five and i I just love what they did in 2016 i i had the 10th mountain all whites second and i love those too i like that it was the snow right it was the snow the universe just aligned that day you had the snow falling Army won their second straight game for the first time in since 1996, a two-game winning streak, and then the All Whites. It was just perfect. It was, it was just perfect. It was, it was, it was beautiful. And to me, I, I would put those one too. Except I would put the. I think I'd probably go with the All White first if it were me ranking. But like, I think your point about seeing them on television. I think the reason why those are probably at least my two favorite is I was there for both those games and seeing the white in the snow. And then the ones, you know, the 2000, I think it was 2016 that had the the parachute webbing and stuff that was, yep, you know, 2016, yep. those were awesome too. Um, those were tight, but as much, I do like colors, like in Navy's just got far sure. more to play with where you got, aren't you got the Marine Corps, you've got, I mean, you've, you've just got a kaleidoscope that you can play with where I'm not saying Army's limited, but you know, they're, they're, you know, they're not basic, but they're sharp, you know, with usually black, white. The reason I would put... And and I think I'd have to be there in person, but I think you're right. Seeing them on television, I think when I see these things on television, it'd probably quickly be my if I were ranking probably third. I don't have them all in front of me, 
But these things are awesome. I cannot wait to see these old Ironside uniforms on Saturday on television. If you want to look at them, oldironsides.football. They have a website devoted to it. Uh, but make sure to go check out Mike's piece. I will link that on um, our Yards and Stripes uh, Twitter and Facebook pages. I'll post a link right there so Army fans can see his ranking and let you can let him know what you think. Does he have it right? Does he have it wrong? And where you would put these on Saturday. I can't wait, or next Saturday. I can't wait to take a look at it, Mike, and see and, how you and rank our, them all. And for our listeners, if you go to that micro site that Army and Nike put together, oldironsidesfootball.com, you can actually go through and see all seven years of the rivalry, and you can compare them. And it's just, it's, it is, it is, it is football uniform at, at its highest form with the history of the yep. meaning. Uh, it, it's, it's, and, you know, one of the things I talk about in the article is this is a great way to add a little bit of modern splash and to really, you, you can argue what the greatest rivalry in sports is. Is it El Clasico, Madrid, Barcelona? Is it is it Duke, North Carolina basketball? Is is it is it Alabama, Auburn? Is it Ohio State, Michigan? But what you can't argue is the Army Navy is the most classic. It is the one that's, that's kind of harkens back to the to the old days of the sport. You just can't argue that. This is a great way to add a little bit of modern splash into what I consider the most classic of all the great sports rivalries. And I think again. You know, we kind of we kind of harangue Nike every now and then because they're a big corporation. But Nike yeah. and Army have really nailed this for the past three years. Absolutely nailed it. Yeah, we'll get into the rivalry stuff obviously next week. You know, when in our Army Navy preview special. But I, you know, I'm with you. I mean, this this rivalry is set apart, and I think you know, separating a classic rivalry is a great way you know to put it, Mike. I mean, you've got others in sports. You know, whether it's Manchester, Manchester United, um, you know, the Packers and Viking. I mean, they're just Every sport has them, you know, whether it's the, the Maple Leafs and the Canadians and, and then I mean, look, but when it comes to college sports, there's only one rivalry. I know that there's a lot of bitter rivalries, hated rival. There's only one. Army Navy is in a class beyond everything else. And we will talk a lot more about that next week. But let's touch on the game real quick, Mike, on the way out the door before we get out of here. And like I said, we got our Army Navy preview special. So we're going to go through. You know, the X's and O's, get into the game, the rivalry, everything about it next week. But Army 5-6, and six, Navy 4-7, and seven, Saturday, December the 10th, 3 o'clock kickoff on CBS. Army installed as a two – I think they were installed as a two-and-a-half point favorite, but last I saw two points. You've seen, you know, Army is favored by as much as three. Over-under, I think I it was somewhere around 33-and-a-half, 34-and-a-half. Um, you know, Black Knights, obviously, are going to have this, you know, by this open weekend, championship weekend, when conference championships are being played. Navy's had a couple weeks to prepare. Uh, you know, just real quick hitter thoughts on, you know, on the game and, you know, the line at Army being favored by two, anywhere between two and three. So so I, th- I think the lines where it needs to be are a Navy. Navy started the season off poorly. They've looked much better the last four weeks. Army looked good against UMass. I'll be honest with you, Price. Army normally has the double buy before the Army Navy game. Yeah, I'm not a big fan of the double buy. They'll get that again uh, next year. This year, it's kind of reversed. Army gets the one week buy. Navy has the double buy. I'm not a huge fan of the double buy. It's going to be interesting to see. I actually think Army comes out a little bit sluggish in Army Navy because mm-hmm. of that. I'll be interested to see if if I see the same thing with Navy. I think it's going to be a very competitive game. I think it'll be a low scoring game. I'm really excited to see it uh, this year. Uh, it's just uh, so I think the line's right where it's at. I, I if it were me, 
uh, and I were setting the odds, I, I'd make it a straight up pick them. That, that's what I would do. I, I think this game is going to be extremely close. I think mm. it's going to be 17, 14, 17, 13, 20, 17, maybe a last second field goal for the win. I, I think these two teams, I think Navy is back. I think Army's healthy. I think they're pretty evenly matched. I think Navy's playing better in the late season as long as they can not. I, I really think whichever team avoids the turnover is the team that's going to the team that's going to win this game. Always comes down to the team that makes the least amount of mistakes. Most, more than not, right? You sound like General Neyland himself. <laughs> all right. Well, we will get into all that next week on our Army-Navy preview special. Stephen Carney will be back with us, I'm sure. We'll have him back in the saddle. Mike Lovell will be back with me, Price Atkinson. We got a lot more to do, guys. We've got more football to be played this season. Army-Navy, we got a postseason. Uh, Air Force, obviously, we don't know who they're going to be playing. We don't know where they're going to be playing. But we got a whole lot more football still to come. It's not over. And we will keep you posted right here on Yards and Stripes, your home for Service Academy football. Once again, we're part of the College Gridiron Coast to Coast Podcast Network, where you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever it is you listen to your podcast. But we will be back again next week. But in, in the meantime, enjoy the weekend off as we get ready for Army Navy. Uh, Mike, appreciate it again tonight. Uh, thanks for all the hard work you've done all this season. I can't wait to get Steve back next week. But until then, we will talk to you then on our Army-Navy preview special next week. Join us again next time for Yards and Stripes Service Academy Football. To get more on all things Service Academy Football, like Yards and Stripes on Facebook and follow them on Twitter at Yards and Stripes. And make sure that you're subscribing to the College Gridiron Coast to Coast podcast feed on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, and wherever you get your podcasts.